it's uh, it's different to be back. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I actually haven't taught for I guess three months. I'm getting real loud up here. Um, I haven't taught for three months, and uh, so I I'm, I've asked a couple of people, what am I supposed to do when I get up here? And, <laughs> somebody will say, be short. Uh, yeah. But um, we had, uh, Mary Lee and I truly enjoyed the, the southeast of the United States. We uh, were, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Missouri. And uh, <clears throat> we just, we had about a three-day window that we were looking at. We, uh, there was one time when Mary Lee said, could you give me a little longer than three days, you know, looking out. And so I planned out a week, and I ran across those plans a little later. We didn't do anything that was on the plan for that week. So we were about three days out most of the time. We had a general direction we were going, but uh, yeah, went down the, the Gulf side of, of Florida and then back, clear out to Key West and then back up and, you know, went to this Kennedy Space Center and and uh, Everglades and Savannah and Charleston and and St. Augustine and Branson, uh, Dollywood. That was a highlight. I know Dollywood sounds kind of hokey, but they have a great ride there. That uh, that great rides and great. Uh, we went actually for the programs, the the music programs, and they they are excellent. So uh, we just had a good time. We spent about a week with our, our family that lives back there, and uh, we uh, really enjoyed seeing this country uh, that God, our Creator, has, uh, has allowed us to live in and uh, enjoy. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we appreciate your prayers. A lot of people were saying, you know, texting us and saying, are you in the midst of all that bad weather back there? We were actually, when bad weather was going through where we were going to go, we were down in Florida enjoying 90 degree, 90 degree muggy weather. And uh, when we got back up to the places, you know, we, we had gone through um, some of the places that the tornadoes hit and... Uh, so we didn't come back that way. We came back through Colorado and just just thoroughly enjoyed uh, every part. I, I uh, one of the things I'm going to mention during the message today is how much I enjoy being with my wife. Uh, we just really love each other. It's a I know it's a choice for her. It's easy for me, uh, but um, we we just really enjoy our our time together, and I. I we, we give all the praise to our Lord Jesus that uh, he allows us to be in a marriage that uh, we, we want to be together and look forward to being together. And so uh, we're very thankful for that. Um, I don't know how many of you are aware that Judy Shepherd went to be with our Lord Jesus this week. Uh, Dave is here with Phil this morning and uh, we uh, extend our our sympathies and but we acknowledge that Judy is no longer suffering and she is with our Lord Jesus. Uh, just Mary Lee and I were talking about that, how wonderful to know where somebody is after they have physically died. You understand that when you become a Christian, um, that's when you die to who you were. You, you were in Adam you were dead spiritually, you were a sinner by nature, and when you became a Christian, that old man died, and you became a new person in Jesus Christ, and that new person in Jesus Christ will never die. Uh, 
You are not your physical body. Our physical bodies will still die so that we can receive redeemed ones. Um, but, but understand, you died. If you're a Christian, you died long ago. And now, being this new person in Christ, you will never die. Ever. You, will, you have eternal life that just continues on, even though the, you shed the old, old physical body and you, you, Judy now has a new one. That's really exciting to understand that. But uh, we're, we're so thankful that we know where people who are Christian, we know where they are and that we, we look forward to being with them again someday. So, um, but uh, please, please, uh, we, we, I don't think we know when a service is going to be yet, but um, please be much in prayer for the family as they deal with their mom and their wife not uh, being with them anymore. So, yeah, I appreciate your prayers on that. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to um, Revelation chapter 2. Well, actually, we're going to start with chapter 1, so, but uh, we're going to study chapter 2 today. And um, let's just go to our prayer. Father, as you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous this morning, um, just not having been up here for a while, and, um, and yet you merely reminded me that when we are weak, then we are strong. And so I told her, well, I must be the strongest man on earth this morning then, because uh, it just keeps me dependent upon you. And I realize you use circumstances in our families, you use circumstances in our own lives, you use, use circumstances at work and just, just living here on this earth. You use that and you show us how weak we are without you and yet how strong we are with you, that you become our life and we are strengthened with power th through your spirit, through the, your Holy Spirit in, the inner, in our inner men. And so we thank you for uh, living your life in us and through us. And we pray that that's what people see, that as we go around being weak, um, it doesn't mean we don't do anything, but it, it, we just sense our need of you. And so as we go around being weak, we are dependent upon you and find that you are everything and more that we need as we deal with life. And so thank you for... Uh, Letting us be together this morning, I pray that we would enjoy our time of fellowship with one another, um, that it would be a special time of just learning more about you. And, and Jesus, thank you for pointing out what needs to be done in our own lives. Out of your love, you, you, you deal with what needs to be dealt with in our lives so that the glory and honor, that the, the essence of who you are is displayed through us. That's an amazing thing that when we are dependent upon you and we deal biblically with what we're going through in our lives, then people actually see the life of Jesus lived again through us. And we're, we're so grateful that that's your plan because it's dependent on you, not upon us. And so thanks for our time together this morning. May you be honored as we look at your word and we pray these things in our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. We are looking at Revelation chapter 1, and I'd like for you to uh, um, look at uh, the first verse of chapter 1. We're just going to read through the chapter. Uh, is Tony still here? Uh, I need these lights to see better. Do 
you know how to do that, Josh? I just... Um, Thank you. That did it. Yeah. Um, chapter 1, verse 1 of the Revelation. Notice it's a revelation. It's one revelation. The whole book is a revelation. It's not revelations. It's not plural. It's singular. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God the Father gave him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. So you've got God the Father to Jesus to an angel to, to John, the, the one, the apostle John, who, who writes this. John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos. That's a, it's about a four by eight island. It's really small. And usually people who were, uh, they, they were sent, they were exiled to this small island to work there. John now is probably in his uh, maybe 80s, 90s, uh, but he was sent there. He was exiled because he was a Christian. But he says, I was on that island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see, or write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man. So here you have these seven golden lampstands in a, in a circle. And there in the middle of those lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the, to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Don't be afraid, 
I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which, which are and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you can't tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural, churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. And then there are six more churches that we'll be looking at over the next six weeks. I remember uh, when I met Mary Lee Miller. Uh, it was actually a blind date for her. She had no idea that she was going out with a frog. Um, <laughs> I had seen her from a distance and I thought, I am luckiest man in the world right here to have this one time with her. Within five minutes, she shared her love for the Lord Jesus, that she was sold out to him. And um, we hit it off really well that first time that we went out together. And uh, as time went by, I grew in love this, with this young lady. Um, I couldn't couldn't wait to be with her. I'd do anything to be with her. We had a, a love relationship. I, I remember one time I was coming home from uh, college, and uh, usually I rode with my roommate. He had a car, and I didn't. And uh, usually, but that weekend I still wanted to go home, but he wasn't going to where he was going, and so I hitchhiked about seventy miles. Uh, it was uh, dark when I started. We got, uh, I, I went, I went uh, south out of Angola, Indiana, and went to, uh, down to Fort Wayne, and then I picked a hitchhiking ride. I picked up a ride and, and got down. To, and so all of a sudden it starts raining. It's just pouring rain. And the person lets me out in Fort Wayne, and I, I get another ride with somebody. I think I was standing underneath a, you know, <laughs> a bridge. And I got another ride, and we went, and the person turned off in the middle of nowhere. We were going toward uh, um, my town of Bourbon, Indiana, going west, and uh, they left me off. And I thought, Lord, here I am. I want to be with me, <laughs> really, willing to do anything. And uh, I, I just, um, 
I, I was on this corner, you know, it was the main highway, 30, but, but in terms of where I was, it was in a pouring rain. And all of a sudden, a truck driver stopped for me. A semi-truck driver, great big truck, and he pulls off the road, sees me. I don't even know how he saw me in that rain, but he pulls off, and, and I got the rest of the way into my hometown so I could be with this one that I loved. And I just, uh, I, I was, I'd do anything to be with Mary Lee. And I found on these trips that we just took, uh, these past several years, that I love to be more with her today, and I love her more today than I did even then. I, I think I loved her with everything I knew to love her with at that time, but as the years have gone by, our love has deepened, and I just, I love to be with her. And do you remember that when you first became a Christian? How you loved Jesus, and you just couldn't, you just couldn't wait to spend time with him. And you just wanted to know all about him and you just enjoyed listening to him through the, through the, the word and, and you had this love relationship and that's the way really I define Christianity. Christianity is a love relationship with, with the Lord Jesus. And that's what the Ephesians had had. They had enjoyed that. But they had left their first love. That's, that's the accusation that Jesus makes. They had left their first love. And it didn't show up the way it had shown up in the past. It wasn't deepening as they went. You've abandoned your first love. The purpose of this first vision from Jesus, it really lasts from chapter 1, verse 9, through chapter 3, verse 22, was so that John, the writer, the apostle John, this one who had put his head on Jesus' breast there at the, at the Last Supper. Uh, John and, and these seven churches that we read about in modern day, they're now in modern day Turkey, that's where they were. And, and so that we could, could learn about the ministry that Jesus has among us people. Jesus, J- Jesus is heavily involved with us who are gathered together this morning. Jesus is involved with every other church that stands for him today. That he, he is involved with them. He knows what the issues are that they're dealing with and he points them out because he's, he's with us and he's aware of what needs to be dealt with and out of his love he points them out and he might point out things in our church that need to be dealt with. I think this first one is a, a great example of, of what we could be dealing with because we're so like the church of Ephesus of the, of the first century. And he's also going to point out in our own lives, you're going to find that sometimes, whoa, that may not be a problem with the church, but it's, a, it's an issue with me, and I need to deal with this. And so this is really going to be eye-opening for us. And so like, like, like it says in verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is in our midst, and the messengers of the churches are in his hands and I'm just so thankful about that. And so, it's just as we read in the first chapter and, and through these first seven verses of chapter two, Revelation is about Jesus. It really is. I know you get caught up in the bowls and the trumpets and the seals and who's this and you know who's the Antichrist and who's the false prophet and who's, who's all this. Uh, the, the message about this is that Jesus is at work. 
And most often, he's using churches just like these churches here in chapter, chapters two and three. Most often, he uses churches in the midst of no matter what's going on in the world. And so it's, it's going to be really eye-opening for us. May we, may we have this, this, this fresh look at Jesus and fix our eyes on him. And, and if we're not spending time with him, then begin doing that. If you haven't been spending, you know, acknowledge that. That's wrong. I, I, I need to be spending time to develop and deepen this love relationship with you. But if I, but if I haven't been, then let's repent of that and, and let's, let's start doing that. If you're too busy to do that, you're too busy. Because I was willing to do anything to be with Mary Lee. Hitchhike in the dark, <laughs> rain. I wanted to be with her. Chapter 1, verse 20 says, As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The mystery is revealed. A mystery is something that has been hidden, but now God has revealed that, and he's revealed that concerning these seven stars and these seven lampstands. The seven stars are the angels. The word angel means messenger. Sometimes it's used in the scripture, in fact, most times it's used in the scripture concerning angels, these spiritual beings that the Bible talks about that are in our Lord's presence and, and are really, they are sent forth to serve us. Other times, though, it can be translated messenger. You have that used in several places in the scripture, Mark 1, chapter 2, and Luke chapter 7. Uh, so, so you have several places. So are these angels ministering spirits sent forth to serve? serve those of us who know our Lord Jesus, or, or perhaps it's the leadership, the messengers of a local church entrusted with the communication of God's message. Sometimes it appears that they, they, they are de were dealing with angels, and that very easily could be. Other times it appears that he's talking about maybe to the leadership of, of that local church. So I, I think and sometimes you, you can almost use them interchangeably here. But we, we know that the, these seven churches, they had, I consider that they had seven issues. Uh, one is an active church, and sometimes they were maybe overactive. <laughs> uh, one was a suffering church, another one is a compromising church, another one is a, a tolerant church, another one is a sleepy, or the, he describes them as a dead church. Uh, another one is a faithful church, and the last one we're going to look at is a self-sufficient church. They didn't need God. At least that's what they thought. That's the one where he stands at the door and knocks. He knocks at the, church, at the door of the church and says, let me in. They've shut him out. What we need to understand as we read this book of Revelation is that Jesus has set his church in the midst of the world. I love the description that I came across. Colonies of heaven planted on earth. Isn't that a great description? That's what we are. We're colonies. We're a colony of heaven planted on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. But God has us here 
And he knows what we need to deal with. And he'll lovingly point it out. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. city of Ephesus was... uh, it was well known throughout the world. In fact, it had one of the wonders of the, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Temple of Artemis. But the city of Ephesus was a beautiful city. It had an amphitheater. It had mystery religions. There was magic and demons. It had great temples. There were a lot of temples there, but the best known was this, was this Temple of Artemis. It was devoted basically to sexual practices. Uh, that were called acts of worship. And the Ephesian church that we're looking at here, and perhaps all these churches, have about a 40-year history. Understand, we're not talking to the church that was founded, um, you know, probably in the, in the, well, in the, in the 50s. We're not talking about that generation of people, we're talking about probably a new generation of people. Uh, um, the, all of Asia, the Bible says, had heard the word from the Ephesian church, which indicates these other, these other uh, churches here that we're going to be reading about. They also have a long history. As we know, Paul on his third missionary journey spent at least two and a half years in Ephesus teaching God's truth. Later, he writes a letter that we know as the letter to the Ephesians. Um, Timothy was pro- probably took over from Paul um, as a pastor there, and then later the apostle John pastored there. So this is most likely a new generation that he's looking at, and I... I I put on your handout, if you want to just fill in these words, if you're following along on that, if you're following along on the bulletin, active church, look at your Lord. Every one of these churches, the first thing he says to do is look at your Lord. Look at who he is and how he's described because the the description relates to the message that follows to that church. The description of Jesus here relates to, to the you know to the people there that he's addressing. And so to the angel in Ephesus, Jesus is the one who holds the angels in his right hand and walks among the seven churches and comments on their conditions. And I, I just wrote in on your handout, you don't even have to write this down, but I, I came across this quote, these details of Jesus remind us that our problems are not solved by first looking inward. Our focus is to be Jesus. Stop. If you're having an issue, stop. Begin with Jesus. He's always the place to start. And he says there, I'm the one who walks among these seven golden... I'm with you and I hold the seven stars in my right hand. You can trust me here. I want to be involved. Please start with me. And then he says in verse 2, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you can't tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they're not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance that have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. And then if you go down to verse 6, yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. And so you look at this church 
And I put there on your handout, Active Church, your Lord is looking at you. And I wrote a whole bunch of stuff there on your, on your handout. I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware of what's going on in your church and in your individual lives. Look at this church. This church would have been on the front page of Christianity today. Every week. Because it's, it's an active church. And he says, you're addressing needs in your community. You don't tolerate evil people. You're able to detect false messengers. In other words, by the word, you've tested carefully the truthfulness of these self-proclaimed apostles and found them false. You guys are doing a great job. You're patiently enduring. You haven't grown weary in well-doing. All for my name. It was for me. Thank you. It's good. Plus, you have a hatred of sinful deeds. And you just think, man, there's nothing wrong with any of these. In fact, these things are right. We would encourage churches to be practicing these things. Touching your community. Patiently enduring, no matter what the opposition is. Uh, Detecting people who are claiming to be from God that aren't. But, verse 4, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. The word left means to abandon, to forsake. Jesus is very blunt here. He wants them to know what the issue is that he has with them as a church. Active church, I put this on your handout, active church, where's your love? Where's your first love? Without which all else is... It's nothing. I was, it reminded me of the 1 Corinthians passage where it talks about that, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to this. and he's, This is in the midst of talking about spiritual gifts that they were misusing. They were proud that they had a certain gift and getting on people's case who didn't have that gift and everybody else felt like they were inferior to them because they, they were just misusing the spiritual gifts. They didn't, weren't functioning as a body at all. And he says in chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak with the tongues or the languages of men and of angels, but don't have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I remember many years ago, <laughs> I gave, was giving a message on 1 Corinthians 13 and I had a couple of pan lids, you know, that you could put together. And, and um, uh, so I, I said, you know, that it's a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and then I started doing that. It was right next to my mic. And so it was coming through the, through the sound system and it about broke people's eardrums. Yeah, uh, that, but that's what it's like. That's what it's like if you don't have love. And he goes on and says, if you have the gift of prophecy 
And if you know all mysteries, which is a, a gift, and if you have all knowledge, which is a gift, and I have, if I have all faith, which is a gift, so as to remove mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but don't have love, it profits me nothing. And then he goes on to describe what biblical love is all about. You, you, you second generation Christians have allowed activity to replace your love for me. You're busy, all right. In fact, when I talk to people, I, <laughs> that's the word. That's the word I hear more than probably any. How you doing? Well, I'm I'm so busy, and I would have to say the same thing about my my own life. I'm I'm busy. I'm busy. But activity or busyness without love at the core of that, that's not stemming from love, has no value. The Christian life, as we said before, is a love relationship with Jesus. Our activities are to stem from his love for us and our love for him. And I I look at the characteristics of this church in verses 2 and 3 and, and, and verse, uh, you know, verse 6. And I, I think this church, honestly, uh, maybe I've got a wrong impression of this church, but I think our church is involved in a lot of really good stuff. I do. Seems like we're touching our community in the name of our Lord Jesus um, we're standing firm in Him um, in the midst of uh, maybe a, a state that is really going haywire in terms of its thinking and legislation, uh, beliefs. And um, I think Jesus would commend many of the things that we are doing just like He did here with the Ephesian church and I don't even know whether this is an issue with our, you know, with our church as a whole. I, I certainly hope abandoning our love, <laughs> our first love, isn't an issue with us. But, but if, it, if it is, let's deal with it. And if it's an individual issue, let's deal with it. Maybe our church is responding out of love or maybe our love that we're extending is because of our deep relationship, our walk with Jesus. But, but if it's not, let's, let's do what he says to do here. Being active ourselves, how would we have responded? Um, By the way, the, the only reason that we can love God or others is because we've first been loved ourselves, and we have been. 1 John chapter 4, verses, verses 10 and 19 talk about that God is love, and He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. The, the Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates, God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we, we respond to his love and then he, this is what I, I love here, he then will 
express his love in us and through us. Our first experience of Christianity was characterized by love, and love is revealed. Love, our love for, my love for Mary Lee, one of the greatest things we do for each other is spend time with each other. We talk with each other. We listen to each other. And our love for the Lord is revealed by sitting at Jesus' feet, by seeking his face, by listening to his word. Our love is revealed by obedience and by faith and by integrating him in every aspect of our love. It is practicing his presence. God, we acknowledge. It's interesting as Mary Lee and I are talking, many times we will just you know, the Lord is included in our conversation that all of a sudden we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the way you're dealing with this situation or thank you for how you're revealing yourself to us in, in, in our daily walk with you and our relationship with one another. It's just integrating Jesus into every aspect of your life. And so as a lampstand, that has been loved and has responded to that love as a lampstand, where is the love that testifies to the God who is love? When people see us, do they recognize love? And I think that's one of the great dangers here that you have uh, of this church. The danger is that well, we're doing a lot of stuff in the community, and we're sharing the, and you know, we're sharing uh, money with missionaries and and financing people, spreading the the name of Jesus around the world. And we can't tolerate evil men, and and we've put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they're not, and we've found them to be false. And 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 the problem is, we can become very judgmental and think that in some way we are out of pride, think that somehow we are superior because of what we're doing. Or, or we maybe feel superior because of our theology. That drives me crazy, by the way. All these different theological systems, and, and it's almost as like the, 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 the theological system is more important than the Bible. They read everything through the screen of... of of theology, and they make things say something that it really doesn't say, but it fits with their theology. The Bible should determine our theology. Our theology shouldn't determine how we interpret the Bible. And so people will come and say, well, are you this, you know, are you are this persuasion or this persuasion or this persuasion? I call, I call our church a biblicist church. We're not a, a certain theology. If a passage teaches something and we're teaching it in context, that's what we teach. And, and so I, I think there's a danger here that, and I, I wouldn't doubt that, you know, I think they probably were using some of that, but love wasn't evident. It wasn't evident that they loved each other. It wasn't evident that they loved Jesus. It wasn't evident that they loved the sinner. See, the Bible teaches that God is love and that he loves us and he will demonstrate his love through us 
as we trust him. He'll exhibit his love through us as we trust him. Because love, according to the scripture, is a fruit of the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's, it's his love being exhibited through our lives. And so Jesus tells this church how to deal with it. Remember from where, when you're, from where you've fallen. We aren't to live in the past, but we're to recall it. We're to recall the past and compare how we used to walk when Jesus was the center of our attention. Remember learning how God loved you, how you just couldn't get enough of him and his truth. So Lord, renew our love that comes in response to your love of us. And so he says, remember from where you've fallen, repent and do the words, works you did at first. Literally, repent, as Kurt pointed out last week, it literally means a change of mind. It leads to a change of direction. You're going one direction, you go back and you, you go the opposite direction. It's exchanging our perspective for God's perspective. And he says there, make the choice. It's a sharp break. It's a one-time act. Do it. Repent. Lovelessness is sin. Repent of that and return to the deeds you did at first because they were done out of love. It doesn't even necessarily mean that their deeds would even change. They were doing good things. But they just needed to be done out of love. And I put on your handout, active church, look at what's at stake. Unless you repent, I am coming and I will... <laughs> we look forward to the Lord's coming, but not the way he might come here. <laughs> Unless you repent, I am coming and will remove your lampstand from Ephesus. And so will the coming of Jesus to our church be good news or bad news? In this case, he says, I'll remove your lampstand. You know, I just was thinking of this. this. This church stands in danger of being shut down by the Lord. And the church will lose its opportunity to love and serve others out of love for Jesus. Without love, there will be no godly impact. A church can continue only for so long on a loveless course. It's like it's just a matter of time before the light goes out. Now this was a church in the midst of the fifth largest city in the Roman Empire, about 250,000. The city would be left in spiritual darkness. Doesn't mean the Lord would abandon the city, no. But he'd find other ways of reaching out to that city. Verse 6, lest you be discouraged, I do have one more thing to commend you. you. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. An early church father, Hippolytus, identifies this group as one that linked the Christian faith with, with loose sexual practices and idolatry. The Ephesian church hated this group's sinful deeds. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. There, there was no compromise like we're going to read about in chapter 2, verse 15 with the Nicolaitans. And then he says in verse 7, listen up.
hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. It's interesting that he plur- plurals, you know, the, the, the word churches. Each message is personal to that church, but each is also intended for all. So active church, look at the promise. Look at the promise. There, there's the tree of life in paradise, in the paradise of God for all those who overcome. And so here, spend time reading and meditating on what the Spirit has inspired biblical writers to write. We, uh, Mary Lee and I went to the Billy Graham Library. If you ever have the opportunity, it's near Charlotte, North Carolina. If you ever have the opportunity to go there, it is really worth your time. I, I know John and Michelle Robertson went there. They spent eight hours there. We only spent five hours there. Uh, they say it takes about two hours, but you know we read a lot of this stuff and... Uh, it's, it's very moving, but you go away from there talking about Jesus, not about Billy Graham. They, they, they've really done it well, and it points to our Lord and Savior. But one of the interviews of the videos that they played there was from a, an interview that he had done, probably, he was probably in his 90s by this time. And they asked him, if you, if you had it to do all over again, what would you do? And he thought about it a little while, and then he said, I, uh, first of all, I would, I would spend more time studying God's Word and meditating on it. And, and the second thing I would do is I would just spend an enormous amount of time telling Jesus how much I love Him. So we're to hear and we're to spend time reading and meditating on what the Spirit has inspired these biblical writers like John to write. And for those who overcome, the word conquer or overcome is used 17 times in the book of Revelation. This isn't an offer of salvation. As far as we can tell, these people were were Christians. The, The issue here is overcoming the wrong kind of busyness, activity, It's making time, making time. If it means getting up an hour earlier in the morning, whatever it means for you, if it means spending your lunch hour, whatever it means, if it means staying up later at night or using your hours at night in a different way. In this context, the overcomer is the one who maintains or returns to his or for her first love Overcoming, overcomers are, are individuals who, regardless, irregardless of what the, the church as a whole does, these overcomers are determined to remember, repent, and do. And if you do, you'll eat from the tree of life. The tree of life was in the Garden of Eden in the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. It appears again in the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 2. Eternal life, the tree of life, eternal life is the birthright of the person who belongs to God. And I love what um, Jesus said as he's praying to the Father in John's gospel, John chapter 17, because many times we say, well, what exactly is eternal life? Well, Jesus describes it here. This is eternal life. This is Jesus praying to his Father. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That, that's what eternal life is. And these people here will taste life in the paradise, which is a name for heaven, fellowship with God. We have so much to look forward to. On your handout, love is the first mark of a true and living church. The church today has a Lord who loves us, who holds us and walks among us. He is to be loved in return. Christianity is this loving relationship with a loving God. We remind ourselves that our lives revolve around this most intimate relationship. May the world see that we are in love with Jesus and may our godly activity flow from that love. And I'd, I'd like for you to look at the questions on the bulletin, if you would. Because this is, somebody asked me this morning, how many people do you think take this home and reflect on it? I pray that we do. And so we're trying to ask some questions there that would help you reflect on these verses. Number one, where do you tend to start when dealing with issues? And what does our Lord say about your life when he's looking at you? Where are you in your love relationship with Jesus? What do you need to remember, repent, and do? Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and see the impact of a person who is active but doesn't love. Why is eating from the tree of life an encouraging promise for you? How do you need to make the truths of this passage personal? What's the first step you'll take? And, and I would encourage you, if you have your family here, go through these questions as a family. And mom and dad, if you're, you're dealing with your kids, your kids will be as open as you are. And so if you hide stuff, uh, they'll hide stuff too. If you're a couple, or even if you're just a, you know, father-son, Dave, Phil, um, go through these questions. Be honest about that before the Lord. What's Jesus pointing out in your life? We're going to sing a song as we close today, so let me, they can come up and we'll sing that song, and then I will, uh, but let me pray first, and then we'll sing that song. Father, I don't, I don't know why this passage uh, has been so... Uh, personal with me uh, it is I, I, I want to do things because of my love for you and love others as you have loved me I want my love relationship with you to be continued to grow and that I continue to respond to those areas that you point out that need that are hindering my walk, my love, either for you or others. Thank you for lovingly pointing out what needs to be dealt with. Pray that we'll deal with this passage in an honest way, these different letters to these churches. May we hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May we listen and respond. May we remember and repent and do. Give me Jesus. It's in his name we pray.